All right, hockey fans, welcome once again to another episode of the Vegas Hockey Podcast. I'm Mark Warner along with Chris Lisa. Uh, we got a good show. We got a lead Coyotes writer from The Athletic, Craig Morgan, is going to join us in the third segment today. We're going to look at Clayton Keller and the other young guns on the Coyotes to see if they're ready to take the next step. Uh, go over some early season injury bugs that they have. Are the playoffs something that they can be thinking about in the Pacific Division? Um, and then we're going to talk a little bit about the future of the franchise and, and how it stands in Arizona. But first, we're going to break the ice. We're going to going to hit uh, the Vegas lane. Chris, good day to you, sir. Good day to you. Yeah, it wasn't exactly uh, the first ten minutes were uh, ideal for the Knights and how you would draw it up uh, on the home ice, uh, the home uh, the opening night at at home, no less against the Flyers. Outplayed the Flyers first ten minutes, had a one nothing lead. But as Coach Galan said, it seems like after Shea Theodore rang that crossbar from there on out, you know, the Flyers kind of took over the game. Uh, uh, it happens, you know, the Flyers are good. Hey, look, Brian Elliott, uh, from what I, I didn't see this game, but from what I read, uh, yeah. uh, played unbelievable. Here's the bottom line. By far, I think we can all agree, the biggest question mark for the Flyers is their goaltending. So if they're going to have a night where their goaltender is going to play exceptional, um, they're going to be tough to beat. And, um you know, unfortunately, the Knights ran into uh, a vintage Brian Elliott. And, um, you know, uh, ideally, I'd like to have seen them won that game because now they start the five-game road trip tonight. But, hey, look, it's a marathon. It's not a sprint. Yeah, Coach Glenn also said that there was nothing good to take away from the game. Um, I kind of I kind of agree with him. <laughs> Excuse me. Um, there's a thing in Vegas where – if a team's raising a banner or whatever, you can bet against them 70% of the time and you're going to cash your ticket. It didn't work for Washington, but uh, it certainly worked on Vegas. Flyers beat them in the face-off circle, uh, scored the power play goal, fewer penalty minutes, more hits, more blocks, fewer giveaways. Pretty much, pretty much had the game. There's the four-minute stretch in the second period where they put three goals in, Simmons, Hagen, Lawton. Um, all pot and goals, and that pretty much put the game out of reach. Um, there are some concerns. You have uh, a couple new guys in on defense, and they need to get in sync. There's a lot of a lot of running around. Uh, maybe some positional issues they need to clean up. But what what concerned me most was when I'm watching Philly's power play, and they start doing some of the same things that. Washington did in the Stanley Cup Finals with cross-crease passes down low, backdoor shots. Um, it seems like they did their video homework on, on some things that, that might work against the Knights' penalty kill, and they, they did. So that's one thing that Cologne and the coaching staff is going to have to clean up and, and address is, is the backdoor plays that killed them in the finals, and it, it looks like maybe the, the, the book is open. Uh, on the penalty kill for the Knights, and they're going to have to change some things up to to be effective like they were last year on the penalty kill. Um, but, yeah, and one look, game, but n- now you look five games ahead. Uh, the brutal five-game road trip starting tonight in Minnesota. Uh, I think these two points, It's I, I know it's only the second game of the season, but uh, I think tonight's two points are critical. I think you're going to see a different Golden Knights team come out, even though they, they struggled against Minnesota last year. Um, I look for a good bounce-back game from the Knights. Hey, look, what you were saying before about the PK and the backdoor, 
sports is all about adjustments, both from an individual yes, sir. standpoint and a team. So, you know, sometimes what happens is, like you said, uh, there might be a situation where, uh, based on your setup, the opposition is able to find maybe a vulnerability. Well, then it's your job to tie up that vulnerability, uh, if, it, if you know, if you will. Um, Absolutely. So I have no doubt. I have no doubt that that will. That will happen. This is a good team. Um, yes, this is a tricky road trip, you know, uh, to say the least. I mean, the, the Vegas, based on where they're at, and especially not just Vegas, the teams out west are very, more so than the teams out east are very – they're going to have a few long road trips in on their schedule, and this is one of them. they you got Minnesota, and then I think they go to Buffalo. And then I'm not sure what the order is, but the next three is Pittsburgh – Philly and Washington. I'm not. I don't know if that's the right order, but those are the three teams. So, not an easy trip. Um, if they can go three and two or get six points out of ten, I think you'd have to be pretty happy with that. And uh, anything above that is is exceptional. So, um, uh, not going to be easy. Uh, but this is a good. This is a good squad. Um, uh, it was interesting, or what was interesting, maybe that. There wasn't a lot of surprises for the opening night roster. I guess if you looked at it from the standpoint of the summer, outside of uh, uh, Jake Biscoff, there really wasn't a you know a surprise, if you will, uh, on the opening night roster. And uh, you know, again, that shows that shows that they have a healthy club, and uh, there's nothing wrong with that. But uh, uh, yeah, I'm looking for I'm looking forward. I think that it's going to be an interesting year, and also too. Let's be honest. The Knights are going to be—they're going from being an, uh, a team of intrigue, right, which they were last year, to being the hunted. Now that the hunted, this team yes, into the Cup final. So there's something to said, be said about that too. Um, so uh, yeah, again, not a great start, but it's one game. Yeah, they're under the injury bug too. Third line center was Oscar Lindbergh, uh, Cody Eakin being on the IR. Um, Alex Tuck also on the IR. The, the word came oh, out okay. that they were they were both week to week instead of day to day. So you had a uh, c- couple players that aren't you know starters, um, and you had I'm looking at it now. Um, who filled, who played in Tuck's spot on the second line? Well, Hall, Hall is starting the season as uh, second okay. line right wing with Stastny and Pacioretty, which was another thing I wanted right. to say. Hall took two minor penalties, and Pacioretty took two minor penalties, so maybe there's still some chemistry issues there to work out um, mm-hmm. as far as, as moving your feet and being positionally sound. Um, so Carrier, I guess you you might say, but then he's expected to play in the fourth line as well with Reeves and Belmar. So... You know, a couple guys in and out of position, new, new faces on defense. Obviously, Theodore had one, uh, two preseason games, so maybe he needs to get back in sync a little bit. But I look for I look for a good bounce back effort tonight against Minnesota. Yeah, and you know, the Wild are kind of that in between team. They're a good team in a tough, and I think the toughest division in hockey. It'll be interesting to see how what they look like. Uh, um, this year they have uh, uh, you know they have a lot of older players and they have a lot of younger players so it'll be an interesting team to watch in what direction uh, they go uh, they go in but yeah obviously uh, 
not a, not an easy squad. They got a lot of a lot of good players uh, on that team. So, um, all right, well maybe we should just jump it right in to going around the league, unless there was something else you wanted to bring up on the Knights. Uh, um, I know you want to get to uh, these overseas games, which I have to be honest with you, with everything going on, I was not aware of. I mean, I knew that the Bruins, was it the Bruins and the Penguins, who went to China at the very beginning of the training camps? I was not Bruins aware of... Oh, Bruins and Flames, thank you. Yeah. I was not aware of the European vacation that Devils and the Oilers are currently on, but well, uh, it's one one in the first. Yeah, they're playing one one in the first right now. Yeah, I don't like it. Um, you know, you go to opening night and you have the best player in the league and the reigning uh, MVP, and you know the kids in in New Jersey and Edmonton are, are you know chomping at the bit to see their heroes. And according to Google Maps, uh, th- they were playing a preseason game in Cologne, Germany on opening day, which was 5,471 miles from my house. Um, so I, I can't imagine that the kids in, in New Jersey and Edmonton are, are really happy to – now here it is Saturday. It was a three, four days from opening night, right? And, and they still don't have their guys on native soil. Um, I understand you want to, to build the league and everything, but we were talking earlier in the week, and you made the point that – do it earlier, excuse me, do it earlier in the preseason. Get them over there, get them a couple exhibition games, uh, spread the game, whatever, ambassadorship, I get it. You're never going to put a, a team in Europe. That's logistically impossible. Um, you're not going to put a team in China. Um, I mean, real. <laughs> let's be real here. Um, and I, I just, I don't like doing it and then giving them a regular season game we're both, you know, both teams are giving up a home game, basically. I don't know what revenue split they get out of out of the deal at all, but it, it's just, I don't know, I don't like it. If if you're gonna do it, I get the the idea behind it, um, grow the game, so on and so forth. But let's let's do it in in week two of preseason and not uh, not take regular season games away from these home markets. And, and it's what you let's face it the this this thing showing me that the Devils are the home team today, so I mean that's one less home game that the kids in New Jersey get to see Taylor Hall and company. Um, one one fewer game that those guys have a chance, and you know it's East West, so that's that would have been the only Oilers Devils game this year in New Jersey, I believe. So there's another year goes by that the best player in the world doesn't get to visit that market, and uh, I I just don't like the timing of it at all. Yeah, I, I, I'm on the same page with you. Although, have you considered that the the teams and the traveling party did get to spend some time in Germany during Oktoberfest? So I'm sure that was... Uh, they, Hello. They, as, a, <laughs> as a person who's been to Oktoberfest in Germany, uh, in Munich, a number of years ago, it is it is rather a good time. But, uh, well, yeah, uh, all kidding, I, I, spent, all I spent some time there in the Hofbrau House in Munich myself, sir, during the the toppling of the Berlin Wall. My dad took me over there, and we tilted a couple pints back at the Hofbrau House in Munich. So, yeah, not a bad time. Not a bad time for sure. <laughs> Uh, but I hear what you're saying. You're, 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 I'm with you 100%. Um, so Tom Wilson is at it again. Uh, he, 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 newest, newest victim out there, if you will. 
maybe that's unfair for me to say. But look, uh, I was talking to a good friend of the show, Dan Harrington, who was on last week previewing the Atlantic Division, and he brought up a good point to me. You know, I forgot that Tom Wilson got suspended in last year's playoffs and missed the tail end of the Pittsburgh series for yeah. uh, an egregious hit. The, the, the amount of games played by Tom Wilson from that hit and that suspension to this hit and this suspension was 15 games. I mean, yeah, and to say yeah. that he's a re- re- repeat offender and, you know, the message is just not getting across, I mean, sooner or later, someone is not going to get up from the ice from these things. And that's not uh, that's not cool. And no, the league and the players, I mean, look, I know Tom Wilson's a player, but what about all the other players? So yeah, it's, it's filed his fourth suspension. Appeal. It's yeah, also his fourth appeal. suspension in 105 games. It's not just the last year's playoffs, but when you're in the repeat offender program and, and – um, it started with regu- uh, preseason games, regular season games, playoff games, and now you know um, you're going after a kid, Oscar Sundquist, who's basically trying to make it make. He he played a handful of games last year, um, but that kind of crap's not necessary in the preseason. And Washington Capitals fans are saying that oh, the guy's got a separated shoulder; it wasn't a target to the head. Come on. Um, yeah, I don't know if anyone saw the pictures of the kid's face afterwards, but I did. it was yeah, it wasn't just a shoulder hit. He probably separated his shoulder when he hit the ice. Um let's let's be real. That's that's an egregious penalty. It's in preseason, it's not necessary. And you're a defending Stanley Cup champion, and in the famous words of Lou Holtz, act like you've been there before. Um, you don't need to target some kid's head. Yeah, he's got his head down and he's skating and he deserves to, to get knocked on his butt a little bit. Um, I'm not against physical hockey. You know that, Chris. But I don't think right. targeting – and it's clearly targeted his head. I mean, I'm not going to listen to the nonsense about that. Um, it's just the wrong place and the wrong time for it. It's, it's, there's no need for that stuff in the game, and it's preseason to boot. So 20 games is fine with me, and I don't know why the NHLPA always – appeals these suspensions and never um, comes out on the side of the injured player. That's a, another thing to look at. Uh, yeah, I'm not sure. I don't know if they have a if they don't have a choice because Wilson obviously is part of the PA. So if he wants an appeal, that they have to go through with it. I mean, the appeal is being handled by the way it's set up is is handled by Gary Bettman. <laughs> so I got a funny feeling this is really not going to matter. Um, but. Uh, uh, I, I don't know what he could possibly say in an appeal that you would say, you know what, that's a really good point. You know, when you look at all the all the different factors that we you, that you just laid out, I, I don't know how it's – and then you look at the actual hit itself and all the other hits. And plus, there's been a lot of hits along the way, that nasty, dirty hits he's done, that he hasn't gotten suspended for. You know, so um, – Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Well-earned as someone – Someone's dead. So yeah, William Neal, here we are. We're not, we're in the regular season, and William Nealander is still not signed, and the tea leaves are getting a little bit uglier. Um, I saw a tweet from Darren Drager at the end of the week. I'm not sure if it was Thursday or Friday, where he said there is absolutely no progress on the situation. Uh, I saw another good friend of the show, Lyle Richardson, who runs Spectres Hockey, 
SpectresHockey.net. You got to, if you're a hockey fan, you have to check that out for his daily articles, daily morning articles on coffee headlines, as well as the rumor mill. And they, I forget which insider said it, but basic, uh, the word is Nylander is not budging off $8 million a year on a long-term deal, and the Leafs want to be in the low sixes. And then Brandon Shanahan came out this week and said, you know, guys have to realize that if they want to stay together and if they want to win, they have to take – they're going to have to take less than market value. And, uh, you know, the Leafs are under – you know, realize that keeping together this group of forwards after adding John Tavares as well as uh, – um, I always want to call him Jason uh, Garrison. Um, God, yep. Why, why? Jason Garrison. Uh, oh, it is Jason Garrison. Okay. Yeah. Um, X Golden Knight. He. Uh, no, no, no. The, this is what happens when you get older, folks. Hold on, bear with me. Uh, <laughs> on the on the Leafs. Uh, on the Leafs, he has the name. Oh, that's probably going to be uh, Jake Gardner. Yeah, Gar- Thank you. Jake- Garrison signed <laughs> with uh, Edmonton. Edmonton. Jake Gardner's a UFA at the end of the year, too, so he's probably going to get a bump up. Um, you know, that's not my take on this. That's not William Nylander's, uh, you know, course to bear. I mean, if he wants to take all. a security deal, nope, nothing wrong with that. If he wants to do nope. like what William Carlson is doing and go take a short-term deal and then, and then uh, maximize his value in terms of the market, there's nothing wrong with that. Um, so this is, you know, and last point I'll make before handing it to you on this, you know, your take is if Nylander is not signed by de- December 1st, cannot play in the NHL this year per the CBA. Has to be signed before December 1st. So these things are getting a little, a little dicey up there. Well, yeah, I mean, the one scenario you mentioned is if he wants to take a, a William Carlson route and take a short-term deal. Well, now now you run into the window where they're re-signing Marner and Matthews, and there's probably going to be less money um, for him. So I don't blame him for for trying to get what he can now. And I don't know – obviously we don't know what the, the, the term, if, you know – George McPhee always says, "Well, if you're going to get more term, um, you're going to pay a little more. If it's a, if you're only taking a short term bite, maybe, maybe you can give a little bit on the money." So I, I and I don't know what Toronto's philosophy on that is, but I don't. Well, they need a they need to lock them up. If yeah, they need well, to lock you would think guys they, up they would yeah, be pushing long term deals, right? Short term probably deals not attractive. Gonna, no, no, that's not going to solve their problems because in, no, a, in another year or two. They're going to need. To, they're going to get another bump up. So they yeah. want to get. They want it both. They want to have their cake and eat it too. They want a long-term deal. They want it at their number. Yeah, and um, I, I, I don't. I don't know. I haven't seen anything on on the Twitterverse or anything. But I don't see any reason for anyone to be slamming Nylander. He sees the tea leaves and the writing on the wall that if he waits and short-term deals it, if if you know that's on the table, then. He's not going to get what he wants when when Matthews and Marner come up and and the other free agents that Toronto has coming uh, in the next couple of years. So he, he's trying to get his now. He's the first one up, and um, I you know 
I don't, I don't blame him at all for trying to stick to his guns and take care of what he needs to take care of. But in the, uh, in, in the, I'll, I'll throw another quote. I don't know who, who you want to attribute it to, but it's, uh, let's talk about the guys that are here and let the guys that aren't here marinate. So, uh, we want to talk about some of the guys that are on rosters this year. There's a whole bunch of there's a youth movement going on in the NH NHL. Oh yeah. Chris. And we have oh. we have Heiskin in Dallas, Brady Kachuk now joining his brother in the NHL, playing with Ottawa, Darlene Svechnikov. I know Shiger was really high on Svechnikov in our draft uh, preview show. And go to, go down the list, Chris. There's there's a lot of young players coming into the league that are highly skilled and and highly talented and it seems like across the board that the nhl is is kind of letting the guys learn in the league that look like they have the talent to stay as opposed to keeping them in their junior teams and then getting them in the nhl for a couple years and waiting till they're 22 23 to make it up into the bigs um they're starting to go with the learn on the fly philosophy in a lot of cities uh anaheim leading the charge this year five youngsters make the team um so some of that's due to injury and some of that's due to these guys can really play the game yeah i mean in carolina um besides the Sylvester their first round pick i think he was 11th or 11th overall martinikis who's one of the top prospects in all hockey he made the team edmonton has two kids in yamamoto and Bouchard, who was a, a tenth overall from this year, we'll get into in a few minutes with Craig Morgan about this uh, uh, Hayden on Arizona, the fifth overall pick. Again, injury probably played a role in it. Company and Emmy, the riser of the draft from this past year, had an assist the other night. So, and then you mentioned Anaheim. I mean, I know there uh, there's some forwards there that are longer in the tooth. They also have uh, Nick Ritchie, who's uh, I don't believe he is signed. And Perry obviously is out, but yeah, they have five guys. I mean, you got Sam Steele, who's been a top prospect last couple of years. He's 20. Troy Terry, 21. Uh, Isaac Lundstrom, first round pick from this past year. He's 18. Maximum Comptos, he's 19. And then Kiefer Sherwood, he's I guess he's he's old man River of the group. He's uh, he's 23 <laughs> years. He's 23. So five guys on entry level deals, youngsters, and I think that could be a good thing for Anaheim. You know, see what they, if these guys if these guys can help them. Obviously, they had a great opening night. I mean, everyone's talking about the big bad sharks, and here comes Anaheim into San Jose. Everyone's ready to to anoint the sharks, and they 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 put up a five two win there. But yeah, a lot of and what's going to be interesting on all these guys, and there's probably a couple others sprinkled throughout the league that we're not mentioning. I we don't want to bore you to tears with a, with a list, but. Uh, you know, who who winds up staying the whole year and who's going to be here for, like, as you like to say, that nine-game cup of coffee? Yeah, it'll be interesting to see which ones can stick around, which one might be there just for uh, ju- just to quell some short-term injuries like like the, the Golden Knights have. I, I watched some of the... Uh, some of the Ducks game and, and the young guys really look good. I mean, they do, they, we were talking about how this team's getting older and the windows closing and things are starting to creak and break and, and snap a little bit. But, uh, out, out of the groups, uh, Terry actually impressed me a lot with his play. Um, and then I guess we'll see down the road, which one of them can, can stick around. Um, the, you know, Perry's gone for five months. The 
Kessler is is maybe gone for the whole season. Um, I, I think some of these kids can make a name for themselves this year. I, I'm interested to get an Ottawa game under my belt and, and you know, take a look at Brady Kachuk. He's, he's, he's an intriguing player. I haven't got the chance to see him yet. Um, so I'm looking forward to the schedule where that brings it on. I got to get my center ice package uh, activated here. We're on the free preview, but I haven't caught the Senators yet. Um, I don't. And how about Carolina with those with their guys? They they had a big win well, last night in yeah. Columbus. They lost in overtime on Thursday night to the Islanders. They did everything in that game but win it. <laughs> it wasn't with Thomas Grave. So they're off to a nice start, and uh, and those two guys are super super talented. Uh, they're big, they're fast, and they they have skill. So um, yeah, well, they, and they highlighted. On Carolina, real quick, they highlighted a play that Sveshnikov made, and he was standing up at his own blue line, and kind of, let's say, five foot off the boards, and and uh, the coming down with the puck, and he takes away the pass, kind of for, just by positioning, and forces the play towards the middle, and then reaches out with his stick and 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 pops it off, pops it off, picks it up, goes the other way, and. Um, Carries the play down into the zone with his head up. Uh, Martin Nukes coming right down the middle of the ice, and and hits hits him on the tape, and that was the first goal of the game for Carolina. So, and, and then they played a really solid game after that. So, uh, and another youngster with with Carolina, he's uh, been around, but Sebastian Ahu's coming off to a good start. Yeah. I had him on my I had him on my fantasy team and and dropped him for Pierre Luc Dubois, which, you know, I did maybe not a good pick right now, but I think in the long run, Pierre-Luc Dubois is going to help me out a little bit. But watching that game, I'm sure uh, I was kicking myself just a little bit there. Yeah, absolutely. No, it's exciting. I mean, it's amazing just how much each year more and more young talent uh, gets into the league. And and there's more coming. I mean, uh, you'll see more this year. There's a bunch of guys sprinkled, uh, not sprinkled, but there's a bunch of guys who are recent quote-unquote top picks or top prospects who are literally knocking on the door uh, that are in the AHL. I'll give you a guy out here on Long Island, Kiefer Bellows. Easily could have made the Islanders opening out roster. He was a guy who dominated the World Junior Championship last year. First round pick of the Islanders a couple years ago that that, uh, when George McPhee was on the show, talked about how he banged the table for Kiefer Bellows, ironically. Uh, so this, there's a bunch of more guys like that you're going to see the you know through, throughout the year as well, and it's it's exciting. I mean, it's exciting. You know, we all go crazy and, and um, salivate all, over the drafts, over the draft. But what's really cool is we get to see these guys over the next year or two, and at worst, probably three coming into the league. So uh, you know, whereas in years past, it's like all right, we'll see you in about you know, four, five, six years. Right. Well, I'll give you one for the Golden Knights, too. Um, you got to jump on the brand wagon. Uh, probably would have been on the roster if Theodore hadn't signed. He went down to Chicago in the first game, um, scores a goal in, in in regulation, and then scores the game winner. Uh, Brandstrom, first action in the AHL, a two-goal debut. Um, guarantee you if there's another hit to the, uh, the Vegas D-line, with an injury, um, guess who's coming to stay? I think would be would be Eric Branstrom. And that's you yeah, know what? No. With this, 
one of the points I made before before expansion, um, a lot of the detractors were saying that there isn't enough talent uh, to field another team, that it's going to water down the league and competition was going to be weak. And and my my I said at the time that there's so much young talent. It's such a global game. Uh, the, it's growing every year. The Swedes and the Finns and, and the young Russians that are coming over to play the North American game and going through Canadian juniors, uh, learning how to play the North American game early in their hockey development is is there's plenty of NHL caliber players. Um, it, we'll, we'll talk a little bit about Seattle and the OT, but I'm not that, that I didn't think that was a valid a bona fide critique of why we shouldn't have expansion. I think that was just people, you know, looking for excuses not to give Vegas a team. Um, but the, I think it was a valid. Goal. I think it's a valid critique twenty years ago, not today. Yeah, yeah, not today. The game has changed. It's a global game. Um, one of the one of the uh, most important things George McPhee did when doing his staff was get his inter- international scouting group in place at the same time he was doing his North American amateur and North American pro scouts. Um, and they have the, uh, ah, the name's going to get away from me. I think it's Kulikov, not Kulikov. Um, ah, they got a Russian kid. He's going to be here next year. He's just dynamic with the puck and, and they were able to grab him. So, um, international game, okay. it's good. And when Seattle, when Seattle does come into the league, um, they have a chance to be good too. I think I don't, uh, y- you know, I'm, I'm I don't, I'm tired of hearing that nobody the phrase nobody saw them doing this, nobody saw this coming. Um, I'm get, that's getting old, um, but I don't think Seattle's going to go to the Stanley Cup final. I'll, I'll, I'll say that right yeah. now, but I think they have a chance if they do their do their homework to put a, a serviceable team on the ice. Well, the rules of engagement are much different than they were past expansion drafts such as Columbus or Nashville and you know the teams you know changed the rules to to make the the new team coming in at least a you know competitive hockey team instead of you know having to take literally their lumps for the first three or four years and and uh you know again I, I don't have a problem with that because at the end of the day everyone's just losing one player they're not and the only way you're losing more than one player is if you make a foolish trade with the expansion team i.e. the Minnesota Wild and Florida Panthers did uh, a couple of years ago. Or or Columbus. They they, they sent us um, Clarkson's contract, I believe, in order oh, that's to make, right. sure, in order to make sure picks. that we took w- William Carlson. <laughs> okay. Right, and they flipped picks. <laughs> Thanks. And they uh, flipped picks because Vegas, remember, had the 24th overall, and they flipped uh, they flipped it. So they went from 24 to 13, and that allowed them That's to get Suzuki. Which turned so, yeah, into they Max gave Pacioretty. Which turned into Max Pacioretty, correct. Well, all right, we're going to go on to the third period now. I see the 602 on the switchboard, and that means it's time to welcome in the Athletics lead Coyotes writer, Craig Morgan from Phoenix, Arizona. Mr. Morgan, good morning to you, sir. What's going on, guys? Oh, it's good to talk to you. Thanks for taking the time to jump in. Everybody can follow Craig on Twitter at Craig S. Morgan for all he links all his contract content. Why can't I say that word? Um, for the athletic through through his his Twitter page there. Um, let's start off. Uh, let's go to Clayton Keller. 
and some of the other youngsters that are making the team, in addition to some of the changes that were made on the roster over the off season, what what can these young guys do to augment uh, the the veterans on the team? Well, I, it, they can produce more because the Coyotes finished second to last of the NHL in goal score last season. They need to find a way to get more production. Of course, as as you just alluded to, they made some moves in the off season to try and address that. They signed Michael Grabner in free agency, and of course acquired Alex Galchenyuk for Max Domi, and then also got Vinny Hinnestrosa from the Blackhawks. So they hope that will add to it, but they really do need to see another level of production from their young core as well. Clayton Keller, of course, led the team last year with 65 points, and they hope he can take that up another notch really into elite production levels. But they also need to see guys like Brendan Perlini, Christian Fisher up their game a bit. I think they'd like to see those guys become consistent 20 goal scorers, and the sum total there would probably get them where they need to be in terms of production. Now, now that you, you mentioned it, and let, let's – talk about it domi was was uh, uh, uh touted as as being you know part of a, a core that could eventually play on a line with keller um and ended up not working out and moving on but to be able to bring in galchenyuk for a player that you've you've maybe lost a little faith in um that that's got to be viewed in in the arizona marketplace as a good get for the team yay I think it was viewed pretty widely as, as a good get for the Coyotes. Um, you know, they're, they're going to let Galchenyuk, when, he, when he's healthy, of course, he is out of the lineup right now with a lower body injury, but they don't expect that to be long-term. When he gets back in the lineup, they are going to give him a chance that Montreal wasn't willing to give him. That is to be a top-six center in this lineup, you know, along with Derek Stepan. Uh, John Shaika, the president of hockey operations, as you guys know, uh, does a lot of deep dives with video analysis and analytics. And, and really what all their research told them is he is a much better player out of the middle than he is on the wing where Montreal had him playing. So he'll be given that opportunity. And if, I mean, if Alex Galchenyuk can pan out to be a top six center, this, this team will be deeper at the center position that they, than they have been since they moved to Glendale in 2003, which is it's, it's just astounding to say it. But it's when you go back and do the research – to be honest, it's not even close. Some of the some of the centers that they trotted out for many of those years, it's just remarkable that those guys were playing in the top six. Hey, Craig, Chris here. So, um, you know, from afar, I'm um, out here in Long Island, New York, I was not expecting Barrett Hayden to be one of the uh, first-round picks to make the opening night roster, but he did. Uh, you know, is this a like, situation uh of, you know, due to injury, he had a good camp. Um, don't expect him to stay beyond that nine-game cup of coffee kind of thing, or does he have a chance of really sticking? I I don't think that he's going to stick. I honestly don't even know if he's going to play before they send him back and, and if he'll even last the nine games, to be honest. Um, mm. Against that would be nine games played, so I, I just don't see there any way that he's going to play nine games up here. They're without Galchenyuk right now. They're also without Christian Dvorak. So two of their top three centers are out of the lineup. I think really what they wanted to do for Barrett Hayden here was just give him a taste of what it's like in the NHL. Just be around the team. Just get a feel for all those off-ice things and watch the team play, watch the pace, so that he can just get his feet wet and take that knowledge back to juniors when he heads back there. But 
I do expect them to head back, you know, as soon as they get a little healthier, maybe even sooner. I don't, I don't know what the exact plan is. I don't think they know at this point. But it's not a, it's not a situation where they think Barrett Hayden is NHL ready. To be honest, he was, he was okay in the preseason, but I wouldn't even say that he was overly impressive in the preseason. He's clearly a guy who still needs some work back in juniors. Now, Craig, again, from afar, I would say uh, in analyzing the Coyotes, both for not just the short term, but more importantly, the big picture, this is a huge year for Dylan Strom. Dylan Strom is, you know, a kid who's been on the number one prospect, according to Hockey News, for a couple of years now on almost every top list and has yet to really, you know, uh, take a big step forward at the NHL level. How do you right. – I mean, I'm, no one's asking him to win the Hart Trophy this year, but how how critical is it in your eyes that Dylan Strom uh, has a real solid – uh, season for Arizona this year for the for the future of the franchise. Well, I think it's important for for Dylan. Certainly, he's he's really proven all he can at the lower levels, whether it's juniors or the AHL, where he was a, a fantastic player and and you know basically a point per game guy when he played with Tucson. There's really not a lot more that he can do there. What he really needs to be able to show is that he can he can do it at this level. He can really think the game. And, and keep up with the pace of the game at the NHL level, two things that have, have been an issue for him in the past. Now, I don't know that Dylan Strom is going to be that top six center, that number one center that everybody envisioned, especially you know, when he's coming in a draft with the guys that came ahead of him, uh, Connor McDavid and Jack Eichel. He's never probably going to be that guy, but I think what the Coyotes would really like to do is just get you know a serviceable, good NHL player out of Dylan Strom. It's interesting, though, because when you look at the depth chart, we just were talking about the center position. They've got Derek Stepan, they've got Alex Galchenyuk, they've got Christian Dvorak, and they've got Brad Richardson. So where does Dylan Strom even fit if he shows it? Do they move him to the wing where Coyote's management has said itself? They don't feel he's as effective. It's, a, it's an interesting puzzle to try and figure out right now. That'll obviously be up to Coach Rick Tockett. But, yes, it's an important year for Dylan, but – I, I don't know how they fit him into this lineup when they're healthy, and, and I don't know how much of an opportunity he's going to get to produce the, the, the kind of uh, offense that I think Coyotes fans at least would like to see him produce. Before I hand you back over to Mark, uh, Craig, so give me the, give me the keys. Now, I'm not going to say in terms of obviously Arizona, um, you know, is not a favorite to make the playoffs. So they're one of these teams not a favorite to make the playoffs. But if I told you I looked into the crystal ball and the Coyotes are going to be in a playoff or going to be in playoff contention in the month of March, what would you deduce that has come along uh, well for them to get to be able to get to that place between now and then? <laughs> this, I think with every team, there are so many of those keys. But you know, we we, we just talked about one of them. But Alex Galchenyuk has to prove that he can be a top six center because I believe that has the ability really to transform this entire forward group if he can cement that role with Derek Stepan also there. So that's one. Probably the biggest key for this team is Antti Ranta playing in goal the way he played over the second half of last season when he was – he had the best numbers in the National Hockey League. If this guy had played ten more games last year, he would have been a serious candidate for the Vezina Trophy because his numbers were incredible and he really did play at that elite level. 
So I point to those. We talked about the young players progressing and finding more scoring from this forward group as a whole. The last one I'd look at, and they really tried to address that this offseason, is the special teams. Both of their special teams uh, were in the bottom half of the NHL last year. The power play was – it really struggled. Alex Kelchenia could really give them something special. We got just a glimpse of him in the preseason playing with Oliver Ekman Larson and Clayton Keller, and it was something special to behold. The puck movement was so crisp. The, the possibilities – you, you just started thinking about what this unit could do together if he can be out there and be a consistent scorer from that slot, you know, from the Alex Ovechkin alley where he scores so many of his goals. And then they got Michael Grabner, who is a, an elite penalty killer. So they're, they're trying to up those two units as well because, as we know, a lot of, a lot of games in the NHL are one-goal games, so special teams can do a lot for you. And if Ranta could play – 55 games as opposed to 40 games because there's been one downside of his game the last couple of years, both being seeing him over here with the Rangers and last year with the Coyotes. It hasn't been performance. His performance performance has been terrific. It's being able to play a lot more uh, fighting off these uh, couple injury situations that seem to happen to him every year. Right. And he really got a better understanding of what he needed to do to manage his body. He, he really changed the way he worked out, you know. Uh, trying to get more core strength was one of the major emphasis. They, and they started that really in the middle of the season, more so than in the off season. He was just able to ramp it up. So I think he has a, a better understanding of what he needs to do. His body is better conditioned, so we'll, we'll see if he can avoid those injuries that, that hurt him and, as a result, hurt the team early last season. Well, all right, we're talking with Craig Morgan from the Athletic AZ. Follow him on Twitter at the Athletic AZ or at Craig S Morgan. Um, one thing I wanted to ask you about was last year. Um, it's a little bit different to win games in March and April when when there's really nothing on the line and you can freewheel it easy and everybody's kind of just loose and playing hockey than it is to you know put yourself in a position early in the season by winning games to make the latter half of the season matter. How? will this Coyotes group be able to take the, the tail end of last season and translate it into the early season wins that can make that part of the season actually matter for this franchise? I think it's a fair question, and a, and a lot of people, including former Coyotes coach Dave Tippett, are of the belief that it's much easier to win those games when you're already out of the playoff race. And this team was sure. out of the playoff race by Christmas last year. Now, it so they'll have to prove that. They absolutely have to prove that, and it's a shame in a way that they're not healthy when they're trying to prove it early in the season. In addition to Galchenyuk being out, they're missing the work, as I mentioned, and also defenseman Jacob Chikrin. So hopefully they can get those guys healthy and really find a way to, to, to prove whether they can, can be the team that we saw over the second half of the season. But one thing I would say, it, all, all these analyses, are, of course, are nuanced. Now, they have a much better understanding of what Rick Tockett wants from them they have a much better understanding of each other because there was so much personnel change last season as well. Yep. On top of that, they had the injuries we talked about with Ronta, with Nicholas Chalmerson, with, with Chikrin again last year. And they had the, the absolute – in fact, I researched this. They had the worst travel schedule in the history of the NHL over those first couple of months, which really put, put them behind the eight ball. So all those things are behind them. But, again, as you said, they still need to prove it in meaningful games. All right, before we let you go, and, and it's always a topic with the Arizona Coyotes, um, 
let's uh, let's talk about the lease, uh, the, the the wonderful city of Glendale, where my grandparents lived for so long. Um, I still have family out in the Phoenix, Arizona, in the 602. Um, they terminated the lease. They signed the short-term deal. Um, are we? Do we have any news on? Uh, negotiating of a long-term deal. I know there was talk of a joint stadium with the Sun Devils that fell through. Is there is there any news on the long-term future of the Coyotes there in the Arizona market? Well, there's really no news, and that's by design, to be honest. The previous ownership group um, probably talked too much about everything that was happening on the arena front, and, you know, when things didn't come to fruition, it just got frustrating for the fan base. Sure. It probably wasn't a good look. So, this, you know, Andrew Barraway, uh, Aaron Cohen, the team president, they, they by design have decided not to let people know what's happening until something concrete is actually happening. Obviously, they are working feverishly at it because, as the commissioner of the NHL, Gary Bettman, said, the Coyotes cannot remain in Glendale long term. Look, I, I understand why that's frustrating to some folks out in Glendale, but when you look at the Coyotes' situation – about three-quarters of their premium season ticket holders and suite holders are from the east side of town. They're making their money from the east side of town. They need to get closer to that fan base. I understand it. I'm not saying that's the cure-all, that they're suddenly going to have 5,000 more fans in the seats, but I do think it will make a difference, as will winning. But right now, they're just going to go on a year-to-year basis with Glendale. They have the option to renew that lease year after year after year. AEG, which manages the arena, wants that to happen, and they have an actual out clause in their contract with the city of Glendale, if the Coyotes leave, AEG can bail on that deal too. So that tells you how important AEG believes the Coyotes are to the viability of Gila River Arena. At any rate, um, you know, it, I know there's a lot of talk. There's, there's always talk about this team relocating. I have talked to Gary Bettman so many times on this topic, and I just don't believe that that's going to happen until Gary Bettman decides it's time to pull the plug on this experiment, and I have gotten no indication whatsoever that he is at that point. He still feels like they're making progress. He still thinks this market is, is important to the NHL. So with all the, you know, the new cities that come along, like Houston, Houston is the, the latest one. I've heard this about Portland. I've heard about Winnipeg. I've heard it about Quebec, Seattle, Las Vegas. None of those happen, guys. I think this is, this is really up to the, the commissioner of the NHL. If he believes that the team can stay here, they will stay here. And when it comes to Houston, there may be other candidates for relocation as well, but I always go back to follow the money. What, what's the best situation for Houston from the NHL's perspective? I think it's expansion because you can make the most money through expansion, as they did in Vegas, as they will do in Seattle. I, 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 market. I, agree, I agree with 100%. Um, I, I think he that, wants the that, Arizona market. Yeah, for sure. And I think it can be a viable market. We've seen when when the when the team is putting a, a quality product on the ice like in 2012 when they were in the Western Conference Finals. Um the building was sold out. The, the, a lot of the season there was a lot of fans in the seats, but I'll use Florida as, a, as an example when they came out and Vegas as well when they came out of the gates and they were able to grab the community um, there was there was excitement. There was fan interaction. There was outreach into the community, and the the franchises worked very well. When Florida decided to dump all their players and and spend the next, I think it was 19 out of 20 years missing the playoffs. I'm not going to blame a single person for going to do something else. Um, and 
it hasn't been that long of a drought for Arizona. And I think with the youth movement we've been talking about, that the, the Coyotes, and, and if they do get a good building over on the east side of town, then I, I think that would be great timing with, with this group of youngsters coming in and be able to turn the page on that franchise in Arizona. And, and you know, being a native Arizonian myself, I, I just – don't want to see a team leave that market. I, I saw the. Uh, I grew up in L.A., so I saw the Rams leave that marketplace, and that was that was brutal to go through. Um, and and people were saying, like you mentioned, Craig, at the time, uh, Arizona to Vegas, done deal, and and I was I was torn because I didn't want I wanted to have a, a, a franchise in Vegas, but I didn't want to see a community lose their team. So best, best of luck on that front. Hopefully there is some behind the scenes stuff going on um, where they'll be able to get a permanent home or forever home, as they say in the pet adoption industry and, and things will settle down there. I think, I think it can work. And I think with the, the, the group that Arizona is grooming right now, that the, it's got to begin with, production on the ice and i think maybe they might be a year or two away from having a real competitive team in the pacific division yeah with with all you know if everything comes together for them as you mentioned maybe the timing of a new arena dovetails nicely with you know upward trajectory of this team i think that's that's what really what the organization would love to see very good well sir thank you for taking your time out this saturday morning to talk a little arizona coyotes hockey with us sir we appreciate it let everybody know where they can find your stuff all right, guys. Thank you so much for having me on. All right. Thanks, Craig. That was, that was Craig Morgan from The Athletic AZ. You follow him on Twitter, at Craig S. Morgan. Um, a lot of people saying that the future is bright in Arizona. So uh, they're in, a, they're in a, a top-heavy division right now with the, the Ducks going with the youth movement so far out of camp this year. And obviously San Jose bulking up, uh, Vegas – New kids on the block, but going strong. Um, maybe a, a, a chance for them to become competitive in in a division that isn't, you know, it's a top heavy top heavy division for sure. Like we talked about in our Pacific Division preview show, that uh, once you get past the Sharks and and the the Knights, and then the, below them Kings and Ducks, there's room to move up in this division for sure. Yeah, there's a lot of question marks outside of my opinion, outside the the Knights and the Sharks. So, you know, when you ask, you know, sometimes young players, you know, they take a little bit longer. Sometimes it takes an extra year or so. And sometimes the, the innocent climb, if you will, is, is a little bit slower than you like. But I think they're headed in the right direction. And just to emphasize, uh, you know, Gary Bettman wants, this is a big market. The Arizona market is a big market. And it also... Like, in terms of the what I like to call the map of uh, North America, uh, Batman wants a team there. So I think it would have to get to a point of just exhaustion of it's just not going to happen. Uh, I don't have, you know, I have no clue. I haven't read anything about. But, I mean, push comes to shove. Um, I think it, it will eventually get a positive uh uh, result. Now, when that will happen, we'll have to wait and see. Hopefully, hopefully uh, sooner. I, I mean, I can tell you this: these these deals are not easy. I, I can tell you that from you know, it took it took the Islanders 20 years to finally get the to finally get the the, the right deal. Uh, so these are not easy situations. So, uh, so let's we're gonna wrap up with our 
new you know what, Chris? The year will... Go ahead. I did I did miss my chance to ask Craig Morgan what uh, Pronger and Datsuk are going to be able to bring to the team this year. <laughs> oh God, yeah, I know, I know. I, I don't like that either. And Hossa. and Hossa. they have Marion Hossa. Yeah, yeah, on the team. yeah. Um, dang, those those three guys might really put this team over the top. Uh, God, I hate. Um, <laughs> so we're going to do the the overtime segment, and we didn't get the chance last week to talk about them. They've been in the news the last couple of weeks, and that's the new potential new Seattle franchise. They met with the Board of Governors. Uh, the Board of Governors immediately, I think on the same day, uh, Seattle ownership did in, uh, here in New York, the Board of Governors said, we're moving forward with the application. Uh, there's a lot of talk that they're the, the expansion vote for Seattle uh, could come as early as this December, believe it or that's not, correct. which is which is what six and a half months sooner than what Vegas uh, Vegas got it around the award show. So that was the middle of June of 2017. Yeah. Uh, excuse me, 2016, I think. 2016, yeah. I believe. So um, that would be a real feather in their cap. Uh, reading about this, the new potential ownership in Seattle, they want in on the NHL for uh, not next season, but the year after. So we're talking about less than two years' time or two years' time from now, October of 2020. And I'm going to throw out an interesting tidbit. I want to get your reaction to this, Mark. We all, uh, With the new current CBA nearing the tail end of its agreement, there is a vote next September from the players where they could uh, either extend the CBA a little bit or, or have it end sooner. The word is they're going to have it end sooner, which – which means everyone is expecting this current CBA to end September 15, 2020. Now, if you're the league and you have a new team coming in two weeks later and then the league hits some kind of shutdown, I mean, I wonder, and we all know, renegotiating or getting new CBAs done has been beyond a painful process for this league. I mean, beyond. I mean, I think everyone should be shaking in their boots based on past history. Um, Would that be a consideration in terms of when does Seattle come on board into the NHL? You know, that's a good point, and I hadn't thought about that. Um, there's There's a clause there where Vegas doesn't have to expose any players to the expansion draft until 2022. Oh, is that right? I didn't know that. If if there's any sort of a delay in getting Seattle into the team and and let's say they go on strike and they close business, I imagine that the the expansion draft will have already taken place at that point. Yeah, sure. Obviously, scheduling scheduling is yet to uh, be complete with that CBA out there. Um, If it gets extended and they push Seattle back because of that, it could affect the Golden Knights losing a player, have forcing them to be a part of that expansion draft. Well, I mean, if, if I you're going to bring in... I don't think... It would be 2021, the worst-case scenario, October 2021, that Seattle would come on board. I don't think we'd go past that. The, well, then, it should, it should work out, but, you know, look, Vegas is the world brand, 
okay, and and you've you've planted your flag in Las Vegas as the National Hockey League, and and we we see on Twitter Vegas Golden Knights stuff at soccer games in Europe, we see Golden Knights gear in Russia and Sweden and and everywhere else they're showing these hockey games. Um, your league promotion couldn't be better right now. The NFL ratings are sagging. People are looking for somewhere else to spend their sporting entertainment time. And the NHL is is always not marketed itself great, but they're doing a better job. They're doing a better job. And right. I, 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 there's got to be some pressure on the ownership with the success the Vegas franchise had and the exposure it brought to the sports and, and how well the Vegas did in their first year. Uh, and, and, you know, obviously the rabid fan base and, and all, all everything that went with Vegas last year. It, I don't. There's got to be some pressure on that ownership group um, to try and avoid the black eye of a lockout when you're trying to bring a second market in in a three-year period. Um, oh, well, let's be clear. That what cannot happen, literally cannot happen, is you have a new franchise starting the first week of October 2020, and then the league gets shut down in middle of September. Everyone knows that. Anyone who has a brain in their head, you don't even have to be a hockey guy. To, to understand that. And actually, that could put a lot of leverage for the players and uh, and their head of uh, the ex-baseball guy, uh, knowing if they have a deal in place with them coming on board that the expansion draft would be that June in 2020, and then right. the team would come on board. Um, I'm just and then you shoot yourself in the foot. Yeah, I'm just but, wondering how all that plays out, um, you know, because while everything's going really well, it appears, for both the owners and the players, salaries, well, from a player standpoint, salaries are rising, uh, constantly rising. The cap is moving upwards. The league is breaking records every year with revenues and attendance and, and you know, uh, you know, in terms of social media, you know, whatever uh, analytics you want to use. Having said that, that doesn't mean when you're trying to split up the pie, it, it, those negotiations aren't always hairy. And honestly, you know, the players don't love the escrow situation. They don't know what can really be done with that based on the structure of the league. But the big the big fight is going to be over this hockey-related revenue thing. And I know the, the, the players feel that there's a lot of areas where money does not flow through like it should the owners and the players in terms of what's deemed hockey-related revenue. Um, so and I'm sure there'll be a few other points as well, but those are going to be the big two, I think, escrow and, and hockey-related revenue. And uh, look, like I said, it's been it's been ugly, right? Well, you know, this yeah, thing, for sure. it wasn't that long ago. We, had a, we, we didn't have a season. So I just bring it up. Uh, I mean, Seattle is coming into this league. They're renew, re- redoing the yeah. arena. They're putting, like, almost a billion dollars into it. Uh, they're going to have a, a first-class arena. They have first-class yeah, uh, ownership pe- people. And they Seattle's just played the, the last game last market. night. Right, and Seattle's the 12th largest market in in the U.S., and yep. it, it's a great sport. Even though they only have two pro sports teams, it's a great sports market, both the Mariners and the Seahawks. Um so I think, and they have a good history of you're in selling, the Northwest. You're so, selling, hey, 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 you're selling their MLS No, it's a no, but it's a, it's a, it's a no, it's the, a no-brainer. The, their MLS team draws more than double 
any other team in the entire MLS. There you go. So they they're sports rabbit. It's a great fit. Vancouver's right up the five. Um, Built-in rivalry. It's going to happen. They just announced yesterday where the practice facility is going to be located at the Northgate Mall there in Seattle. Um, so it, it's going to happen. And and ugh, I don't the the whole lockout thing is oh. an angle of it. I hadn't given much thought to. So I think I think you're right. I think it does give players more leverage. You look at the. The, the health of the league. No one's going to be able to cry that that uh, it's not a healthy league. You're expanding. You, you saw what happened in Vegas. Now you're going to do the same thing in Seattle. Um, we're not taking – the players aren't going to take less. Um, so they they should be able to unite as a union and and get a little bit better deal, I think. Yeah, well, it's going to come down to these couple of critical issues. And I think I, I, I think the players will give on the escrow. But I think they're going to want a better deal when it comes to this hockey-related revenue and what flows, Higher salary what flows through. Yep. Well, also, right, because the more revenue that comes in means the more the higher the salary cap. So and yep. the higher, not even just the ceiling, but the floor. So I'm hearing early buzz um, too that they go, they want something in the in the CBA that lets them go to the Olympics. Yeah. Um, that's an interesting point too, because I know that that's a big point for a lot of the players. But Absolutely. I would put the hockey-related revenue as the number as the and that as the number one issue, and I think the trickiest issue. Because let's be honest, the owners don't want to change that one iota. Sure. Yeah. So well, let's wrap it up for this week. <laughs> um, that'll be a, yeah, that'll be a stay tuned. Um, yeah. So uh, they're coming into the league. I mean, everybody yeah. knows it's it's going to happen. So the rest yeah. the rest of it will be a be a tune in next week kind of a thing to see what happens. Take us out, Chris. What do we have on tap next week? Next week we're going back to the athletic. We have uh, Arthur Staple who covers the New York Islanders. I think teams like Arizona and the Islanders, the Islanders have a lot of interesting things to keep an eye on for this year. Um, you saw they named Anders Lee their new fifteenth uh, captain. They're already. Uh, the word is they could be closing in on a, a long-term deal with him. They have a couple other interesting pending unrestricted free agents. Obviously, you got Lou Lamoureux and Trotz out there. So that's gonna. There's a lot, in, a lot, a lot of balls and play with the Islanders. And uh, you know, and obviously we'll go around the league. We'll have an overtime segment, segment, and of course we'll go down the Vegas lane. So we got a lot co- coming on. And then the week after that, uh, tentatively scheduled, we have uh, from Last Word on Sports, Gabriel Foley. A uh, young guy who's been covering the Blues for the last few years, and I think they're an intriguing team at a rough opening night, but I think they're a very intriguing team as well for this year and the amount of moves, the big moves they made this offseason. For sure, for sure. We'll, we'll catch up with some St. Louis Blues hockey. Arthur Staples, Arthur Staple, I'm looking forward to talking with him. He's a, he's a staple, no pun intended, in, yeah. in the hockey community in, in New York. So it'll be it'll be great to get his take on the Tavares deal, the Young Guns, and everything else going on in New York Islanders. And for our Islanders fans, make sure you go to Chris's Twitter feed, at the NL King on Twitter. He, he has articles about uh, the young guys getting sent down and why that was the good decision uh, for the Islanders brass to keep keep them getting minutes. It's a real good read. Make sure you guys check that out and go over to Ion Isles FS for all Chris's content as well. So next week we're going to hit Arthur Staple and, and do a little Islanders hockey, and we'll just find out what the news of the week is 
and it, we got another great show planned. So for this week, for Chris on Mark, and we're. <laughs> 